Hi, everyone. This is Jordan, the owner and CEO of Greaser Consulting. On this episode, we have Hugo with us, who's a product manager over at Google. He's worked uh, both in some really large enterprise companies as well as multiple startups. And so in some instances, product has had a very heavy hand in sales. In some instances, product hasn't even spoken to sales, or at least the aspects that he's been in. And so we're diving into the topic of listening, uh, you know, how does that customer feedback work? At one point, we even touch on marriage. So this is going to be a really interesting one with some eclectic points. Uh, but if you're interested in product, or, you know, that's a world that's sort of new to you, I'd really encourage you to, to listen all the way through this one. Hugo is a great guy with some really good insights that can help you think through where does product fit in this world and how do we listen well. So with that, we're going to jump on over. Say you want some clarity in sales and marketing and SEP. Well, we have just the remedy, our podcast. Hi, everyone. This is Jordan. I've got Hugo with me today. Hugo, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Yeah, uh, it's good to see you, Jordan. Um, my name is Hugo. I am currently a product manager in Google Research. And, uh, and prior to Google, I've worked in, uh, as a product manager and software engineer building various tools in different companies. Uh, ranging from um, building office products like the Word Excel PowerPoint that everyone's using to uh, SaaS startup uh, building sales engagement solution, which is Jordan, where I met you. And then also working some other startups um, where I'm, uh, I, was, I was responsible for building the logistic pick and pack solution. So experienced there are tons of different products already and great chatting with you. Yeah, so I know like the main sort of premise we're getting into is is uh, product and sales alignment and those conversations that you have back and forth. And I know, just like you mentioned, your, your experience is pretty eclectic. So you've you know you've worked with the Microsofts and Googles, uh, you know, to the outreaches and other startups you may have never heard of. So wh real quick, when you get into some of these much larger organizations. Do, do you ever interface with sales? Like, is that even part of the job description? Uh, or is that really something that you've only found happening in the startup side of life? I would say from my experience working in uh, Google and, and Microsoft, uh, at least uh, based on two specific, well, well, firstly, let me take a step back. I, I think uh, in those larger companies, there are so many different teams. So I think my experience doesn't necessarily kind of apply to some of the other team. And I'm sure there are teams that is more focused on sort of customer facing solutioning, uh, like building specific custom solutions for, um, for, for your, for your target customer. Uh, for example, I, I think Microsoft and Google, they have the cloud offering, which I know in those teams, there are product teams or engineering teams that works closely with customers. But I would say from, from, uh, from my own personal experience, where when I was in Microsoft, uh, we were we were focusing on office product, which is very consumer facing. And I think when you're working a B2B app versus like a consumer facing app, I think there's different ways how you talk with a customer uh, or how you get those level of customer feedback. And then in Google, I'm working on Google Research, which most of the our quote unquote target customer are our internal Google teams. Kind of, we're building the underlying technology for other Google Teams to use. So I would say, just kind of taking the Microsoft example and answering your question, I'd say from my experience, we have other channels where we get customer feedback, but there isn't a time 
I've worked side by side with a outbound sales rep or enterprise sales rep kind of landing a specific customer deal and, and neither have I done that in Google. Is that something uh, that you is that something you miss? Like, is it more fun to get oh, to yeah. interface directly with the salespeople? Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, like that is actually one of the reasons I, I I joined Outreach, right? So I think you and I joined Outreach roughly the same time, like 2015 December November ish. Yeah, we had yeah, right um, yeah. we had uh, I think we probably had like 30 employees or so, uh, less than 10 people in the product slash engineering slash design organization, and I think majority of them are outbound sales rep or customer support, uh, customer success. Um, that's right. one of the reasons I joined Outreach is because, um, you know, when I was in Microsoft, I felt at least, you know, back then, 2014 time, felt was so disconnected from the customer. There are like five layers between software engineer or, or PMs. And then there is the sort of the escalation engineer, customer support, customer success, account executive, and then SDRs. So like we're so far away from the customer that the reason why I joined Outreach is I wanted to see not only how to build a product, but but how to kind of tie this entire big machine of, of a company that you have sort of product innovation and then you have your go-to-market and then kind of this cycle of things. Uh, so do I miss that area? Yes, very much. Uh, but I, I mean, I think there is good and bad too at the same time, right? So, um, but, but well, I do tell, miss- tell me, you know, coming from the sales side, don't hurt my feelings, but tell me some of that bad. Um, I I wouldn't generalize saying uh, like, you know, I hate doing X, Y, Z. I I think there are specific incidents or specific times where I had to work on certain deals where I felt like, you know, I I, kind of wish I didn't have to be put into this situation, whether it's working necessarily this closely with this particular customer or or working with a specific sales rep, Uh, which one, well, actually, let let me ask you like, which one, which way do you want me to go down? It's like, Working with sales rep, like what went wrong, or like working with a customer, which which what went wrong? Uh, hey, hey, listen, you go whatever way you want to go, but I like I even think about whenever we think about product in general. Outreach was a really unique case, right? Because our own sales team used the same product that we were selling to other people, and so they were all there were instances very early on, right, that you start to realize, hey, our internal sales team doesn't behave just like our customers do. Right. And so then, you know, you've got some internal salespeople that are kind of fussed with product of like, well, why didn't you do this yet? Because this would make my life better, but it's maybe not a priority compared to, you know, the actual customer themselves. Right. So, yeah, yeah, I'm just I'm interested to hear all of it, (laughs) you know, like where where's the struggle? You mentioned a couple of different things. So maybe I'll kind of go over them in order Uh, and remind me if I if I if I missed anything. So I'll, I'll firstly talk about kind of the unique experience in outreach where uh, I had to work with our sales team, which is, uh, I would say, the um, quite different from uh, the sort of the, uh, it's probably the ideal customer profile of the outreach product, but 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 doesn't necessarily overlap with what we had uh, in our pipeline the most. Um, I mean, I, I think firstly, even knowing that our internal SDR team and AEs use out, uh, outreach very differently and they're kind of like more the expert user, I think it's still really important to um, get their feedback. I remember it was like two months after I joined outreach, uh, me and me and Kinzer, like the head of product, um, there's one time, I don't know if you remember, we traveled all the way to State College 
where we met up with you and Alex and Mark and Ashley. Yeah, that's and how, that's how we know right? that you were one of the early guys. There were very few folks that saw the inside of that Pennsylvania office. Yeah, that, that blue building. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was intense. Yeah. It was intense. It, I think we caught a sales pit. Well, that was the sales pit before we actually had the sales pit in Seattle office. Right, the, the mosh um, pit, right? It was a sales pit, pit before we had the mosh pit, yeah. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, and that was, a, I remember that was a really eye-opening experience uh, because I think like, you know, we, we talk about, like before kind of being there in, in that environment, we talked about what the outreach does, what is the typical SDR's workflow. But then once you were put into that situation, I remember like one of the requirements I, I had from that trip is I'm going to wake up the same time as all the SDR wakes up, which is like 6.30, 7 o'clock, got into the office. I think, I think around that. And then kind of see how... Uh, I think the first thing we do is like, you know, I remember on one side of the screen, we have the, we have the leaderboard kind of see how many calls people have made. And then on the other side, we had the, 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 um, the, 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 the bouncy, like the bocce ball thing, which I think maybe that was something afterwards to, to basically get pumped up and then kind of seeing how sales rep uh, making calls or going through their daily tasks, making calls what they do after the call, what did they do before they get on the call, kind of sit next to them, listening, what they talk about in the call. Uh, those are really eye-opening experience. Those, those are incredibly helpful. Um, and, uh, um, and then I also did a lot of customer visit afterwards too, where, where we kind of go to the prospects or existing customer's office, kind of see how they work. And it feels very different. Um, but, I, but, but I think the, the point I, I'm trying to make is even if I think outreach is uh, own SDR's use case is very a niche use case in the sense that I think it's pushing the boundary of the, what, what the product could do back then. I think it was still really, really helpful. It was incredibly helpful to kind of see how they work and, and know what are the pain points. Um, so kind of coming back to your original question, I think with like uh, the, some of the challenges, I think you answered the question of like the challenges working between salespeople and, and sales team and then the, the product team. Yeah, I think I can probably recall a few examples where I think things went sideways or could have gone a little bit better. Would that be would that be helpful to kind of start from there? Go for it. Yeah, um, I think I'm not going to say it's you know top five common mistakes because that's not what we're here for. Um, but like you know, a couple of the things that uh, could have, a couple of the situations that could have gone better. I think um, in one of the situation. Uh, I think the the product team is constantly ignoring the sales team's uh, feedback. Um, I'm gonna admit it. You know, I was I was at fault uh, there. I think it's. Uh, oh, Hugo, um, you've never done anything wrong. <laughs> yeah, but but I do think there are. I think I do think there are times where I think the product slash engineering team uh, was a little bit too stubborn, and then we 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 have this mindset of what we think customer wants. Um, and, and that caused us to reject some of the common response we get from customer that we don't deem to be, Hey, this is not how you're supposed to work. And that we're kind of trying to force customers into the buckets of, um, Hey, this is how we think you should be doing things instead of, uh, this is customer needs today. So I think, th I think that is the first common mistake, which is like, doesn't feel collaborative. Um, you know, sales team, they get, uh, customer feedback requests, feature requests, uh, during discovery calls, and then kind of, you know, pass them to the product team, but kind of the product team look at them and saying like, no, we're not doing that. And that's the end of the discussion. Like it doesn't feel collaborative. 
it's very much of a, a, a Mexican standoff, right? Like on one side, the person says, we really need this. And the other person says, like, no, we're not doing this. And then you don't have a resolution there. So, so I think what I could have done better in that case is, um, I think firstly, we need to make sure there's a really good system of tracking kind of the different type of feedback from customers. And then so that you can kind of see a pattern over time of which type of customer tends to have which type of feature requests. And I think another one, another thing I could have done better is just be more open-minded, like asking the why, like, and, and not necessarily understanding why they need that feature, but like understanding the, the broader problem they're trying to solve. Actually, I think not asking why is a common mistake that could be made by both the product team and the sales team too, because I think kind of opposite is what I talked before was kind of the product team not understanding why a specific customer asking for certain things. I think the same type of learning could also happen to a sales team too, where um, I think another sort of downfall I've seen when product team collaborating with sales team is um, sales rep end up becoming this man in the middle or person in the middle that is playing the telephone game. That is customer asks something sales team doesn't understand sort of why do they need this or how this fits into the broader solution or problem that the prospect is trying to solve. And then just take that feedback as is to the product with the expectation that we would deliver this feature, check this checkbox, and then customer would sign the deal. I, I think, think that's, that's kind of another problem. That's great feedback because I remember experiencing that when I went to the professional services side of the house and working with clients and it was my first sort of foray into this side. And uh, I was working with somebody who had been in success for like multiple years. And we had a situation come up with a, where a really significant client was asking for a very specific workflow. And I went right to work on, well, you know, that's not really how we do it out of the box. But if we do this and we set that on the back end, we integrate this with Salesforce, like, Boom, like we're going to make it happen. And so I had the whole solution mapped out. And I remember like presenting it to the person in success I've worked with. It was there for a long time. And your first response was, well, did you figure out why they want to do that? I'm like, well, yeah, because they want to get to here to here faster. And she's like, well, no, that's what you assume they want to do. Like, like, why are they actually trying to do this? And I said, well, you know, I'm thinking, oh, who cares? Whatever. We got it solved. Yeah. We checked the box, whatever. And so we get on that next call with the client and she just starts unpacking the why. And we find out we don't need to do 20 hours of development on the back end on a workflow. Right. Like literally, they don't even need to do that because outreach replaces something that they do now. And so just click this button in outreach and you get everything that you need. And it was like, Oh my gosh. Right. Like we would have had, and that was on a small scale, right? We're not developers. We're not engineers, and, but just a, creating sort of this high tech, you know, not high tech, this sort of integrated workflow wasn't even necessary. Um, so, you know, what you're saying, like, I feel that in my bones now. Right. And, and I mean, I, I don't think anyone's perfect. Uh, what exactly kind of, I have a, I have a short story. I'll, I'll maybe quickly share that is, uh, irrelevant maybe to kind of work with the product team or and sales team, but just like very much to what you just said. Uh, so around the, actually a couple of weeks ago, uh, I was in a, in a, in a discussion with one of our engineering leaders um, here 
And, uh, and he basically, like we were discussing how, you know, we should be engaging with our potential customers. And, and then he said something which I, which I don't agree on. And I think the old me would be like trying to persuade him or convince him why I, I was right and he was wrong on the spot. Mm-hmm. Um, but then right before that, I was, I was reading this Stanford uh, research. Basically, they were saying, you know, when people are listening to things, there are really four different modes you need to have. And you need to be very intentional around which mode of listening you are doing. So the first mode of listening is listen for appreciation. So that is like, I'm listening to good music, I'm listening to a good story. The second mode of listening is uh, you, you are listening to comprehend. Um, I'm asking you a question. Hey, Jordan, um, how do I go from here to Costco? You, you tell me the route, take a left, take a right. That's, that's listen for comprehension. And then the third type of listening is you, you listen for empathy. Um, a lot of times people want to, you know, they were having a bad day. They want to talk to you about it, but they don't actually expect you to give a response or jumping in, giving a suggestion. And then the fourth type of listening is you, you listen for a counter argument. Like, you know, I disagree with you, but I'm going to listen to your feedback. But my goal is, hey, here's where you are wrong, Jordan. Or, or maybe I'm listening so that I can put in the position of power. You come to talk to me about something and I all in, instantly became the advisor role. Hey, Jordan, have you thought about A, B, and C? So I think like the, in, the, in the research, they were saying the common mistakes people are having when it comes to listening is a lot of times... You should be listening for comprehension, but you're jumping the fourth category. You, you listen for the sake of having a comeback. You listen for the sake of correcting them. Um, so kind of jumping back to the specific story I was telling. So what I did is, is I, I, I grabbed some separate time with an engineering manager. And then I was asking him and I was actually curious to understand his point of view. Not for the sake of, hey, dude, you're wrong. This is how you should be doing things. And it turns out that what he was thinking is exactly the same as what I was thinking. It's just we use different terminologies. I use this terminology of this specific thing to describe one part of the workflow where he was using the exact same terminology to describe something else. But if you were to kind of lay it out, we're talking about the exact same thing. And I felt like if I were jumping the mindset with, oh, I'm just trying to listen so I can kind of nitpick you afterwards, I would never uncover that in the first place. So the art of listening is really, really important. And one of the things I really love about working with great sales reps to kind of bring our topic is um, there is this uh, amazing account executive I worked with uh, in outreach. I, I thought his superpower isn't necessarily he's really technical or he's a smooth talker. He's really good at listening. Like um, uh, I, I was in this call with this prospect and this prospect asked for a certain feature and, and he basically started asking those probing questions for like, why, why you need to do this. And he's not asking for the sake of, hey, dude, you actually don't need to do that because Outreach does ABC for you. He's listening to actually trying to build empathy. Uh, yeah, this is a, he's one of the, he's the best account executive I've ever worked with uh, in my lifetime. He's a great listener. Sorry, we probably went off topic, uh, but just kind of. Oh, I know. Like this, I'm listening to you talk, and you want to talk about off topic. I'm I'm thinking about how this applies to my life with my wife, right? Like, yeah. uh, how many how many times you know I'm I'm going on ten years of marriage here in June, and you know the first couple years I'd sit down and talk with her. And the only thing I could think about was solution, solution, solution. Yeah. And then we'd end up getting in a conflict and I'd say, well, 
what are you mad at me for? I, I thought you were complaining about something over here. I just gave you the answer. And, you know, you get a little older, a little wiser. I can't say I figured this out completely. But then I've now I've, I've, I've noticed, like, sometimes I need to listen for empathy. Actually, that's probably most of the time, right? Yeah. Like, uh, she probably doesn't want my solution. She probably doesn't care what I even think. But just to know that she was heard is is really what matters um and and i know i know we're going like way sideways there on marriage <laughs> but i think that even touches on exactly what you're talking about with that sales rep like um yeah we might have a point solution that can solve it we might have something in the product that does that but before we even get to the point where we're trying to sell what that is or that change of mind or whatever first let's just understand you know why does this matter to you Right. And like, like, why do you care? And like, maybe on this call, we don't even need to pre present the solution. Maybe we just need to listen, uh, which I think is, is a big part of what you're talking about here. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, funny thing, you mentioned the, the wife situation. That's, uh, I mean, uh, I, yeah, I don't think my wife would ever hear me saying this, but yeah, I use, I use the, the technique I just mentioned when I, when I talked to her and, uh, <laughs> It uh, worked uh, a lot of times. Yeah, I would say when I'm having a conversation with my wife, the, I would go really heavy on the third category, the empathy part, and it, 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 it worked. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it worked. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, listen, it's, it's amazing how uh, it's the different things. We often try to compartmentalize life like in the sense of this is my family this is whatever this is my work or these are my hobbies yeah. um and and man we try to compartmentalize all these things as if they don't interrelate and the reality is they do like there's things that we can learn at home we can bring into work with us there's things from Absolutely. work we can take into the home and that's even one of the things um when I think about like folks that are trying to educate themselves in their positions, often they'll say like, let's take your example of product, right? Like they want to go out and read the 50 best books on product. And my commentary is like, well, read two or three on product, read two on three on philosophy or something, yeah. do one on biochemical engineering if you're interested in it. Right. Yeah. Um, because all of those things will actually help round out some of that decision-making and thought process. Absolutely. Like, can can agree more with what you said. Um, one of the interesting thing I I just learned very recently is uh, we have uh, so uh, in the team. So my team is part of the Google research. So we're kind of focusing on like what is the landscape of sort of artificial intelligence look like within the next ten years. And we have this very inspiring leader. Uh, his name was Blaze, and uh, and he kind of shares out what he's reading. And one of the interesting things I found is. He's a VP of engineering, so I'd expect him reading a lot of engineering paper, mathematics, philosophy. He focuses on social behavior, human-computer interaction, um, human psychology. So, like, in order to be a thought leader, in order to be any type of leader, I, I would argue, like, you need to be really good at what you're doing, whether it's sales, engineering, product. You also need to be very well-versed in all the random topics. I think, like... That's this is one of the and I know this is probably not the purpose of this chat, but uh, I love listening to any type of podcast from from Elon Musk where, where he was he was a, he was a participant because um, the, the breadth of knowledge he has in so many different topics is just mind blowing. It's like he's he's the richest man. He has one of the busiest dude. He has so much more time to read and learn so many quote unquote adjacent topics or adjacent industries that don't feel relevant upfront, but um, 
as you kind of go deep into them, you, you see like all of them are very similar. So on that topic, are you, is that something, I know you said your leaders sort of thinking that way, but when you're thinking about product in that sense, like you yourself now, do you find yourself also trying to sort of expand the scope of what you're looking into, even as it relates to the product you're working on, or do you keep it all down that same vein? Um, I would say like, I don't know if that directly answers your question. Like I aspire to be someone continuing the product. Let's say I, I wanted to be a you know, product manager continuously. I aspire to be someone who knows really well about product, but who's also a good salesperson, who is also a good customer success person. Just kind of put it a very tactically. Um, because I think the true product leader isn't necessarily you're so great at product strategy or product execution. It's you have that sales lens at looking at things. So like one of the things that was uh, really incredible at um, one of the startups I had is... Uh, we we hired this uh, this kind of Amazon veteran as as our CTO, and um, he didn't come from a computer science background. I, I don't know if he actually knows about coding, or I think he came from like physics or astronomy, hmm. some, something similar to that. Um, but like he's a, he's but he's the CTO. He's the 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 sort of the top of the the product in the engineering org. And initially, I actually felt kind of strange, but then I realized that as a VP above. You don't really need a lot of the product chops to be a product leader. You need that sort of quote unquote business chops that is a combination of product, technology, solutioning, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, so I think right now what I'm trying to do is breath my skill set in those different domains. That's why I like, I, I like talking to you because uh, I aspire to be a great sales rep like Jordan. <laughs> uh, Hugo, I always, I always tell you, you're always one to butter somebody up. So I appreciate that. I mean, that means right. a lot to me. Uh, you know, uh, I was on a call. We have a mutual friend, right? And, and Alex, Alex Lynn, who's a CrowdStrike. And he was, he was actually one of the podcasts earlier. But one of the things he and I talked about after our podcast was the things that made him really, really good, like that got him the job as the like original operations director for sales development over there, like are not the things that he even thinks about today. Because now, you know, he's up at this level where it's all like six months, 12 months out. It's more about how do we rally the team? It's more about like this overall scheme of headcount and whatever. And he's like, he, he's like, on the one hand, I had to, I had to show my chops to get to this place, but now I all of a sudden have to relearn everything because it's a totally different skill set. So when, when we think about product, um, and I know this isn't maybe product in sales, but purely product, and, and I know I'm talking to you, a guy in product, like what are the things once you get to that VP level, that shift that like, I know you're, maybe you're not quite there yet, but when you look up into that space, you're saying, oh, if I want to get to there, here's what I need to know. Mm. You're right. I'm not there yet. Uh, I, I, I think it's developed that awareness cross organization. I think uh, up your certain level, I don't know if it's director, I don't know if it's a VP. I, I don't have a good understanding of the, the exact nuances between the two roles. 
Um, but I would say up until a certain level, it's okay for you as a product manager to only focus on the product. At one point, you need to know beyond the product. You need to, um, you need to be really good at, I mean, like, I think the product example might be a bad example because I think, you know, as a junior product manager, I, would, I still argue you need to work with customer, but like, you need to be able to work with customer. You need to be able to work with your sales team. You need to be able to work with your customer success team. And I think that's probably the difference between a sort of uh, earning the career product manager versus someone who's higher up, who's a higher up, more experienced is they have that kind of uh, long, he's, they have that longer vision of, of how they wanted to work with the customer and how they should be working with the customer. I don't know if that actually answered your question. Uh, I think you got me at least part of the way there, Hugo. I don't, but I never want to give you full credit anyway. So that's, that's right. how that works. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Well, so, Hugo, so, yeah, go ahead. I, I just, I just thought about another uh, kind of, um, I wouldn't say common mistake, but I, I wish things aren't like that when working between the product and, and, and salespeople. Um, I think sometimes in certain organization or in certain deals, I think there is the distinction of, hey, you know, ABC, you three are the tech people. You you talk to the tech people on the customer side. And so, and, and then, you know, DEF, you are the sales people. You are the business people. You talk to the business people on the other side. So you, you're creating this barrier between product and, and, and business. Um, like, you know, kind of one example of that is... Um, sales rep would, would, would schedule a meeting of just the, the, the meeting would literally be titled talk about product, talk about integration, where the sales rep is just not paying attention throughout the meeting. A lot of times you're asking them a question. They're like, oh, sorry, can you repeat the question? Oh, well, that's because uh, they're in they're in their inbox trying to close the deal. That's what's right. going on. Sure, sure. Uh, but, but I would say, I think there's a much deeper product and, and, uh, and business collaboration that a lot of people are not leveraging. Um, there was one time I was working on a I was working on a deal, uh, kind of with some some uh, with some uh, sales rep, and on the business side, on, on the product side, we are in deep conversation with the customer about integration, about what are what the things we can do to make to make it happen for them, like to kind of alleviate their pain points. So what ended up happening was the sales part was not moving forward because they are stuck at some type of VP review or some like the I think it's the person who was about to sign had some kind of concerns. And then it was actually the customer's VP of engineering went to the business person saying, hey, the, cost, the, the, the specific, you know, my group was super LinkedIn, like they're really willing to help us. Is there anything you can do to kind of move the deal forward? So in that case, the prospect VP of engineering actually became the advocate of us, the seller hmm. side, which is shocking. I've never seen that happen in the past, uh, probably because we've never been in tight collaboration with part uh, with uh, with the prospects when it comes to like engineering integration but i think that's a really great example of you shouldn't think product and 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 uh, sales as isolation you should think like there are things your product team can do to make the deal more successful beyond prom like you know reaching the promise of the customer wand or implementing the feature the customer wand there are a lot of things your product team can do to instill more trust uh to the customer and, and kind of, you know, show that you're leading and willing to commit. I'll leave you with this last question. Okay. This will be our last one. 
how many folks in product though uh and, and listen like we're gonna we're about to to give a stereotype here um so like you know blow it up don't answer my question but i'm just saying like, as a general sense like how often are folks in product willing to put on that sales hat and say hey like put me on a call and let me talk with, you know, whoever I need to talk with on their side. Like, is that emotion that folks in product are actually like, man, I'd love that opportunity or in general, they're like, Hey, whoa, 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 whoa. That's a little outside of my scope. Are you asking me in terms of my, my personal opinion where they should be or like where they are in reality? Where, where, where do you typically see product? Not where they are today, but I'm saying, do you, you're talking about this world that sounds very good to me uh, and clearly you have an appetite for it, but in general, or is that something that folks in general uh, that are in product are open to putting their sales hat on and doing that? Mm. Or is that something that like you're here saying, Hey, for anybody listening, that's in product, like here's a muscle that we really need to learn to flex that we don't typically do. It's a little hard to answer the sort of specific ratio, but, but maybe I'll give you that. Uh, I'll give you this. Um, I think it's very much dependent on the the culture, the the, the culture set by the leader. Um, uh, I think in uh, the two startups I worked in, Outreach and Flex, um, not not the whole time, but at one point we have the right product leaders in place, um, or right technology leader in place that really puts the product and the engineers even close to the customer. I think in larger companies, it's like, as I said, Microsoft, I think because of the uh, sort of the, the legacy hierarchy of how things work, I think that there isn't a lot of opportunities. So, so there might be people who's really willing to be talking to a customer, but they don't have the right avenue to do that. Um, but, I, but I would say in startups, I, I think, you know, this opportunity is typically there. And I think it's very much dependent on the culture you're setting. I've worked under product leaders who is very much about you know, product should be heads down and, and kind of, uh, you know, just go to whiteboard and you will solve all the problems versus spending more time talking with your customer and kind of trying to synthesize the, what's the broader pain point here. And I personally love doing the second option. Um, and I think, I think it, it helps you come up with a product that's much more convincing and that, you know, there is a strong product market fit than, you know, some you create a vacuum in the you create something in the vacuum. Did uh, I answer Hugo, your question? Absolutely, so. absolutely, right. you did. And I think uh, I think there's probably more product questions to have some somewhere down the line. So I'm going to tap your shoulder again, if you don't mind. Uh, but thanks for uh, thanks for coming today. We appreciate you and just coming and chatting about some of these issues related to product and sales. And for everybody listening, we hope you enjoyed the episode. And with that, we're going we're gonna to wrap up. So we'll see everybody later. Thank you, Jordan. Thank you, everyone. Hot dog, that was a great episode. Thanks for listening. If you want to learn more about Greaser Consulting or any information you heard on today's episode, visit us online at www.greaserconsulting.com. Be sure to click the follow button and the bell icon to be notified on the latest here at RevOps Therapy. Thanks and see you real soon.